Betty Butter bought a bit of butter, but she said this butter's bitter. If I put it in my batter, that will make my batter bitter. But if I buy a bit of better butter, that will make my batter better. A skunk sat and on a stump. The stump scene. thought the skunk stunk. The skunk thought wow, the stump stunk. Which stunk the skunk or the stump? The final episode starts in five, four, three, two, and... That's a cold open. Welcome to Next Play, a student-produced podcast recorded on the campus of the University of Oklahoma and focused on all things relevant in the world of sports. Alongside Parker Thune, I'm Baylor Hurst. And now, here's Kurt Watson. Hello and welcome to Next Play. I am your host, Kurt Watson. Excited to be with you for this final episode of Next Play, episode 50. And boys, it has been one heck of a season alongside me. Just as they have been this entire year, Parker Thune and Baylor Hurst. Guys, I'm so excited for this final episode. It's been a heck of a ride. Can't wait to get back to it. But how are you doing on this fine day? I mean, honestly, I'm I'm bittersweet. Yeah. I, I'm excited because this episode is going to be really good. The content that we have is packed. We're going to have a lot of debate going on today. Ooh, but debate. I am sad because... So after tonight, we won't record an episode of Next Play until the fall. In addition to that, in a couple weeks, we'll part ways. Sadness. Maybe see each other Parker, once or twice. Parker will go summer. back to Nebraska like uh, like the person he is. Parker, how are you? I'm crying a little bit over here. It's fine. It's also Baylor sniffling. We can only play mic. five, 15 seconds of that song. Fork stuck in the road. Time grabs you by the wrist, directs you where to go. And slow fade out. Test and don't ask why. All right. Let, let's be real. The, the Tim Hawkins okay, version of that song is so much better. That's one of two Green Day songs that's actually unique to the rest of their music. I think so. I, I like, know I like so. Tim Hawkins' version of all songs better for the most part. Anyway, y'all want to talk about sports? Yes. More than anything in this entire world, what I want to do right now is talk about sports. Parker hasn't said a word yet. Parker, are you ready? Let's podcast. Excellent. Boom. First up. That was a mic NBA. drop moment. It was. Them. It was. Thank you for not actually dropping the mic, though. I yeah, appreciate that. Yeah, that would have been that. catastrophic. Yeah, it would be. It would have been Kurt cataclysmic. Would have had an aneurysm. Cataclysmic is like the word, word of the day. Um, first off, let's talk about the NBA. There's a lot going on with the playoffs. There is indeed a lot going on. Around here, the disappointment of the week is from the Oklahoma City Thunder Guys, what's going on? Well, they're they three are and three one. and one yeah. against the Utah Jazz. Against the Utah Jazz with a rookie of the year candidate and Donovan Mitchell, they were bound to be a tough matchup. But this is ridiculous. I know they're getting they, their they butts do handed after after a first game being able to pull out the win. They've just gone uh, three and out, and that's just unacceptable with the amount of talent. And you can point fingers everywhere, um, but the main person that you have to point your finger at is Coach Billy Donovan. Coach Billy Donovan has not transitioned well over to the NBA. And you can talk about Russell Westbrook all you want, but his entire career, Russell Westbrook has dealt with weak, backboneless coaching. No one jumping in his face and saying, listen to me, you're going to calm down. The thing that makes Westbrook so exciting to watch, the thing that makes him probably my favorite player in the NBA, is also the thing that keeps him from winning basketball games. Mm. But you don't want to... 
what's frustrating about it is he gives 100% effort all the time. One thing that you can never accuse Russell Westbrook of is cheating a fan of giving all of his effort, even in ridiculous regular season or all-star games. But a coach, a good coach, would reel him in. A good coach would figure out a way to make this team work well. They're stacked. The, the Thunder are stacked with talent. Between Paul George, Russell Westbrook, and Steven Adams, that's a team that should make a playoff run. I believe that Carmelo Anthony has the potential to be a great six man if he would just humble himself. And that's another thing that comes back to coaching. Sam Presti has given Billy Donovan an excellent team to work with. And the issue here doesn't lie in the players. The issue here doesn't lie in 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 the doesn't lie in the management. It's all about coaching. As with most things, it's all about coaching. Parker, I want you to get a chance to to talk about the Thunder. I know you're not a huge devoted that, Thunder I'm fan, enjoy but Welch's fruit and yogurt snack. There's our sponsorship for the day. Not actually sponsored, unfortunately, by Welch's. Would you like one? As Would you Baylor stop the rattles. ridiculous crinkling. Would you like one? No, get that. Would you away like one? From yes, indeed. Okay. Thank you, Baylor. Parker, thoughts on I mean, the Thunder? You know, this is what this happens is when you decide to build your franchise around Russell Westbrook instead of Thabo Cephalosha. Can I get a serious answer from you? Yes. Baylor, you're exactly right. This does come down more than anything to poor coaching. And look, I could have told you this. I, I said this when OKC hired Billy Donovan. Billy Donovan is a terrible basketball coach and has been for a really long time. He almost got it. Hold on. He fell headlong into two national championships at the University of Florida because he had three incredible collegiate talents in Joakim Noah, Al Horford, and Corey Brewer, who made a pact together not to leave for the NBA early and stay at the University of Florida in pursuit of a national championship. Billy Donovan has had nothing to do with any success that any of his teams have ever run into, and he is absolutely unfit to be the coach of the Oklahoma City Thunder or any other NBA basketball organization for that matter. Move on from Billy Donovan. Get Billy Donovan the heck out of Oklahoma City. But look, it's not solely on Billy Donovan's shoulders. In my opinion, he does bear a large amount of the blame for what has gone wrong in Oklahoma City, but you also just have to chalk it up to inconsistency. The fact that Russell Westbrook, Paul George, and Carmelo Anthony are all very talented players, but all are highly inconsistent, and we've seen that especially in crunch time during this series. We've seen not only Westbrook, but also Anthony and George go I I don't know if I'd call averaging a triple-double two seasons in a row inconsistent. Parker, I, I, I wouldn't find Russell Westbrook in. Russell Westbrook does the exact same thing every game. He just pulls too hard in the fourth quarter and ends up losing the game. But he's not he inconsistent. He's he emotional. Like, that's something we saw in the last game. Yeah. I'll tell you what he does every game. He stat packs. If you look at percentages, Russell Westbrook is not elite by any means. I think he shoots for his career like 43% from the floor and maybe 35% from three. Like, he's not a great player. He thrives off volume. And the amount of time that he has the basketball in his hands. Look, the Thunder are best when guys like Steven Adams and Jeremy Grant are doing their jobs and playing well in the key and well, in the post. Of course. Of course they have better Listen, games when those players play well. Well, what I'm saying is, if you have Steven, guys like Steven Adams and Jeremy Grant playing well, Russell Westbrook can afford to have an off night. 
But so far in these in this series, Stephen Adams and Jeremy Grant and the rest of the Thunder contingent, you know, at the center at the forward position have not been strong. And so Westbrook, George, and Anthony have had to try to bear the brunt of the offensive responsibility on their shoulders, and it hasn't panned out for them. Look, shots haven't been falling for Westbrook. Look, I'm not surprised at all. As I said, Westbrook shoots something like 43% for his career from the floor. I am surprised that Paul George has been as inconsistent as he has been throughout this series. He was kind of, he seems like the guy to me to build around in the future in Oklahoma City. He seems like to me the guy that has the best chance of taking this team to a a title someday, more so than Westbrook. But in this series, he's almost been invisible, especially down the stretch. And not only that, but the defense has struggled yes. immensely yes. for Oklahoma City. That's why they're they getting can, blown out of the water. They cannot defend Donovan Mitchell. Ricky Rubio tore them apart in Game 3. Rudy Gobert has come out of his shell and as had a, a defensive nice series for the Jazz. Stud. Rudy Gobert is a defensive monster. And I mean, how hard is it to get somebody shadowing Joe Ingles? Literally, the only thing the guy does... Look, Joe Ingles has what I call a soda physique. He looks like a guy that just drinks a lot of soda. <laughs> He looks like a gas station employee. So, and all he wow. does, all he does is Parker. stand out on the wings and drop three pointers. How hard is it to get a guy out there and get a hand in Joe Ingles' face? I think not the, that hard. I think the biggest problem with the Thunder, other than the coaching, and I and I I hate saying this because Russell Westbrook is probably my favorite player. I think that Russell Westbrook has the mentality of being the best player on a championship team. I don't think he has the ability. He's very, I, Kobe calls it the Mamba mentality, and there, there are certain players around the league that have that Mamba mentality. I think one of the one of the new guys who really does is Joel Embiid. I think that LeBron developed it over time. I don't think he came into the league with it, but I do think he developed it over time. Russell Westbrook has that mentality, but there's a difference between him and LeBron and Joel Embiid, and most specifically Kobe Bryant. Kobe Bryant could be the best player on a championship team. Russell Westbrook is, I disagree. I think he's an all-star. I think he's a four-star player. But in order to have that mama mentality and be the best player on a championship team, and, and it works in other places like Draymond Green, I think he does have that mama mentality. But he also knows that he needs to take a back seat to players like Steph Curry. Russell Westbrook won't take a back seat, and I don't think he can be the best player on a championship team. And I'll tell you what the difference is between Russell Westbrook and a guy like LeBron. LeBron... Size... Well, that obviously <laughs> about a hundred pounds. I mean, you, can, you can look at the physical, physical <laughs> aspects of things, but from a mental standpoint, LeBron has the attitude of a champion, which is he makes personal sacrifices for That's the true. good of the team. You think if LeBron James wanted to average a triple double over the course of the season that he couldn't do it? Easy. No, he absolutely Easy. could. I don't think it's that hard for an elite NBA player to average a triple-double a season. Especially all, with the team he has. Yeah, it all just comes down to the you know the fact that Russell Westbrook is primarily concerned with personal success, I believe. And guys like Steph Curry, guys like LeBron James are more, are more concerned. I would agree that he's with, not that great of a teammate. Yeah, yeah, exactly. All right, well, I want to move into final thoughts on the NBA before we move into our next topic. So few topics to cover um first off i want to talk about your mvp picks so uh i kind of want to format this like a lightning round bring back a little uh a little throwback from previous from earlier in the season so um 
Parker, give me your MVP pick in two to three sentences about why. Sixers, baby. Joel Embiid putting the team on his back. That's who I got. All right. For your MVP. Wait, who's the MVP? Of the playoffs so far. No, uh, well, I'm talking about player for the season. Oh, for the season. Oh, boy. LeBron James. He's kept Cleveland in the hunt. Okay. That changed. That's changed over the last couple weeks. Um, my pick is LeBron James. The best player in the league is the most valuable player in the league. Okay. And then I want to close out by talking final picks from the East and the West. So we'll start with the East. Parker, lightning round. Who's your team? I like the 76ers. They're playing the best ball. Okay. Baylor? I come out of the East. Um, I'm also going to say the 76ers, especially with Joel Embiid back, who had a monster game in his first game. And he just finished up his second game back where the 76ers closed out the series. And the West. Baylor, I'll let you start this one out. Golden State Warriors. No one on the Rockets matches up with Kevin Durant, and their only threat in the Thunder have fallen so far behind, there's no way they're coming back. Okay. Parker? It's legitimately anyone's game, but I still give the edge to the Houston Rockets. Why? One sentence or so. They can shoot the three. Okay. And then, finally, who will be the champions? Okay, who? So are you? So you're saying like the Warriors can't though? No, absolutely not. Okay, so here's the thing, and I and I think that I I actually wanted to talk about this today. Okay, I'm I'm sick of this. Houston Rockets can shoot the three, so they're gonna make it. Are you telling me you would take? Are you are you telling me you would take James Harden and that crew over? Kevin Durant, Clay Thompson, Steph Curry in a shooting contest. No, absolutely not. Okay. What I'm saying so is they're not going to be able to outshoot them. That's a that's a terrible argument no, for no. the Rockets winning. Baylor, listen to me. Obviously, Steph Curry, Clay Thompson, and Kevin Durant are three of the best shooters on the planet. However, the difference between that team and the Houston Rockets is that everybody on the Rockets can shoot. Only those three for Golden State are shooters. Everybody on the Rockets can step back and hit a three. Yeah, they but, have depth, uh, but as who can? Well as talent. Yeah, who can? Who can guard Kevin Durant on that team? Who can Kevin Durant not guard on the Rockets? Kevin Durant could match up with any person on the Rockets and shut them down. You can talk about the Houston Rockets being an offensive st- Rockets being an offensive stud all you want, but the Warriors are matchup nightmare, and that's why they're winning the West. There's no one that can match up with them except for maybe. And we're talking about the championship now, correct? Yes. The 76ers. Okay. Warriors, 76ers, and the finals are my pick. I'm taking the 76ers to win that game. I mean, to win that series. Simply because they're younger, and I can't emphasize this enough, they're hungrier. Okay. All year, Golden State has seemed kind of this this lackluster, um, we're going to be there no matter what sort of attitude. And I think that the 76ers won it bad this year. They don't want the future. They want right now. And I think that they're the only team in the, on the entire planet, other than the Cavs, who have a player that can guard Kevin Durant. Well, you know, Baylor, you brought it up, and that's part of the reason why I like the Rockets to top the Warriors in the Western Conference Finals is because the Warriors don't seem to have that drive, that charisma, that energy that has propelled them to three straight NBA Finals. So that's part of the reason why I elevate the Rockets over the Warriors. But in the end... The time is now. I like the 76ers to bring home the title. Okay. I can't believe how much we agreed in this segment. 
I was expecting a lot more debate, a little little fight club action. Oh well, if we go if we go to NFL, I'm pretty sure there's going to be a little bit of debate. Well, good news for you, Baylor. That's exactly where we are going. Okay. I want to talk about social media as well. Let's let's touch on that first, though. Okay. Um, Julio Jones, KD. Social media is something that you have uh, touched on or you have emphasized in your life. You love to see it as a tool. And that seems to be the exact opposite of what these players are doing in these contexts. So um, talk to me about your thoughts on where everything's at. Julio Jones set his Twitter account to private, deleted all photos of Falcons players on his Instagram. Anything related to the Falcons, he deleted it off of his Instagram. And hasn't really said anything about it yeah we might be seeing it's julio jones now right yes yeah we might be not his instagram account though we might see julio jones switch up teams i mean maybe there's bad blood maybe something happened maybe he got hacked yeah i don't know um if julio jones went to another team any team gets better if julio jones joins that squad yeah so what'd you say tampa tampa you want him to go to dude, Tampa? dude julio and mike evans that is <laughs> oh the my dream. That, that is a destructive wide receiver so, quarter. So if you're the Falcons, what are you thinking right now? If, if you are out of the loop on what's happening, what's going on? I mean, I, the Falcons probably know exactly what's going on. Yeah. Um, if I'm, and I, as, as a guy who doesn't have an inside scoop, I think we're going to see Julio Jones on a new team. Okay. I, 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 this is, this is a pretty big deal. I mean, he didn't just get hacked on Instagram. If this, if he got hacked, he got hacked on Twitter. And so I think I really do think it's very it's a very realistic possibility that we'll see Julio Jones in different colors starting this fall. Yeah. And then KD, did you did you hear about this, Parker? Go ahead. So KD, so that's a no. There was yeah, that was a no. There was no. I have heard it. I'm just I'm, I want you to relate the narrative out. to our listeners. An Instagram an Instagram post uh, where a comment argued that. The reason that the Thunder couldn't do anything was because of Russell Westbrook and huh. Kevin Durant liked, it. liked that post. And I heard someone say this earlier today, and I'm going to steal it. Kevin Durant is essentially the dude who breaks up with a girl, but then continues to walk back and forth in front of her house to see if she might be hanging out outside or if to see <laughs> if she's dating someone who else. said that? If there's, another guy's, if there's another guy's truck outside the front door. Kevin Durant is weird about this. Kevin Durant, obviously, he feels as though he he doesn't feel justified enough and he's constantly having to justify going to Golden State to himself. It was the weakest move by a superstar in the history of basketball, maybe American team sports, and he's starting to deal with the ramifications. And homerism aside, it's bizarre it just is. watching the relationship. Like, it is. leave, cut ties, and stay away. And, and he's go a, build yeah, your exactly. career at yeah. Golden State. Don't keep coming back yeah. to the Thunder and, and doing this best. little dance around that's, that's trying to best. trying to piss people off. And he said he accidentally liked it. And maybe we would believe that if he hadn't had that fake Twitter account yeah. like a year back. This Kevin Durant is a very interesting person because his legacy, I mean, I understand why he's dealing with so much. His legacy is tarnished. There's always going to be an asterisk next to his championships. Yeah. Oh, that's ridiculous. And that's true. That is when absolutely people talk about ridiculous. It, when people talk an about asterisk? it. An asterisk? For what reason? Because he went and joined the greatest regular team season in history, one that he choked away a three to one lead against in order to win a championship. And he can't do that's that. That's weak. He can. 
but we're always well, going to talk was, about it. It was after his discussions were already ongoing. Yeah, I mean, State. You like, tell me Parker, what you come thought. On, whatever. What do you think? What are you thinking if you're a Thunder GM or whatever at this point? When your star player, who you your team just lost to, is in discussion during the time he's playing this team with the team that you are playing, and they choke a lead, an, a major lead. Well, game. I'll tell you what. I perceive it as a guy coming to terms with the fact that he's never going to win a championship in Oklahoma City and not wanting to grow old. And you don't not find it the up. slightest bit suspect. Okay, Parker, you see, this is what this is what Durant uh, lovers love to do. They love to change the narrative. The problem isn't that he left OKC. The problem Finish my sentence. Is he left OKC to go to the Golden State? To go to the team that he he choked a three to one. He won a he. The timing is so weird. He didn't win a ring. ring. He did not win a ring. He put a team over the hump in order to get a ring. Isn't that what your goal is? If Draymond Green wouldn't have wouldn't have gotten suspended. The, the Cavs probably wouldn't have even won Isn't that, that championship. Isn't every free agent's goal? I mean, to no, put a team no, no, over no. the top you know, Baylor, and take it, them to his credit, I think he deserved a ring in that championship while he was playing for the Thunder. Because but he, he gave choked it, to it away. No, no, no. He yeah. gave it to Golden State. He, he won he that tournament for Golden he did. State. He did, win the, he did. He should have won a ring for that. You're right. But the problem... He can He can absolutely do that. He's a free man. And if he wants to do it, if he if it, if the rings are that important to him, then sure, by all means, go do it. But anytime the greatest player who ever lives conversation comes up, because if Kevin Durant and the Warriors stay together, they're going to win a few more rings. But anytime that comes up, people are going to say, well, he did go to the 73-win Warriors. Oh, my gosh. He's- Baylor, you and your Brady ring bias creeping in again. Look, rings or no rings, that does not factor in at all to a player's level of greatness. Yes, but that's what we're going to talk about. It factors into his integrity. Why? I was saying the rings were almost... I would say the rings for Kevin Durant aren't that much of an advantage because he didn't really earn them. If if Kevin Durant... That's absurd. What if Kevin Durant... Check this out. What if Kevin Durant would have gone to Washington with with John Wall? What if he would have gone to Toronto? What if he would have gone... Cleveland. Yeah, if he would have gone to Cleveland, no. (laughs) But he could have gone to a number of places and been championship contenders. But he went to the team that he choked away a 3-1 to series win because if he had wanted to win that series, if it had been a strong desire for him, second best player in the world at the time, well, third best player in the world at the time, he could have won it. He could have taken over that series. You can't tell me losing four games in a row didn't have a little bit to do with his heart. And how bad he wanted it. The problem no, has I, never I, been. He definitely wanted. The problem has never been that he left OKC. That's never been the issue. Leave OKC if you want to leave OKC. But the problem is that he keeps coming back. He keeps making digs at not only the GMs but Russell Westbrook. He put Russell Westbrook in a terrible situation. He made Russell Westbrook look like an idiot when he left. A guy that he pretended like was his brother. He literally betrayed Russell Westbrook and went to the team that he choked away a three to one series against pathetic weakest move ever. I like Kevin Durant. He's a good person, but I think, I think, no, I know that it's the weakest move that I've ever seen. Yeah. Look, as far as the whole social media crap, yes, that's, you know, social media itself more than anything is just a platform for people to be idiots. And that's what Kevin Durant has done with the fake Twitter account, yeah, the I'm liking comments about Westbrook and all point. that. But the basketball move itself was just shrewd and advantageous, and I can't fault him for it. 
it was definitely advantageous for him, but I question his integrity in all of it. Why? Because he was in discussion with the team. About, like, so he, let me just walk you through this, Parker, because I feel like your memory may be failing you here, even though I know that shouldn't be the truth. Um, the Thunder are playing the Golden State Warriors. Uh-huh. They have a three to one lead in the series. Mm-hmm. KD is in discussion with the Warriors mm-hmm. to potentially go to that team. Thunder blow a three to one lead. The Warriors win four in a row. And their best the player series. has three. Well, and then, four and then KD goes to the Warriors. Well, say, no, that, the definitely, that most definitely did not happen because if it had, that would have been tampering. And the NBA would have dinged the Warriors for it. It was tampering. Okay. In my opinion. Y'all conspiracy well, theorists. It, it's it's possible. You know, you're right. There is no solid evidence saying it. I think personally, as a Thunder fan, and this is definitely Homerism playing into this, that there is something going on that we didn't know about. Can and it I wouldn't surprise something? me. I'm if not a Thunder happened. fan. I I mean, like, they're one of my more favorite teams in the NBA, but I'm a Lakers fan. Yeah. What true. I care about is the Los Angeles Lakers, and I still think it was the weakest move. Yeah. In history, by an NBA superstar. Regardless, it's just spitting in the face of a franchise that built you, in my opinion. Or a franchise that you built. Well, that could be an argument there as well. Um, Great discussion about the NBA. I want to move into some discussion about the NFL draft that's coming up this week. Big names coming out of schools all over the country namely uh baker mayfield what what boomer sooner and saquon barkley is another one coming out of penn state i'm curious to hear who uh who's y'all's top picks are my top pick and bill belichick has taught us this time and time again you draft for talent not need you take the best player in the draft and worry about need in the free agency take saquon barkley number one he's a sure bet He's a beast. He's a he's a traditional style running back that will tear up defenses for years to come. If you're Cleveland, you don't have a running game. Tyrod Taylor is a good enough player to get by, and you have another pick to get another quarterback, I believe fourth. You take Saquon Barkley. You take the best player in the draft, and then you take one of the few quarterbacks that no one is really sure about. You know, you know the old adage, if you have two quarterbacks, you have none. That's the situation that the Browns are going to have themselves in come September. Because if the Browns knew what they were doing, they would take Saquon Barkley first overall. The guy appears to be Mm -hmm. a generational talent. The measurables are off the charts. He is far and away the best football player in this draft. And if I'm an NFL GM, I would absolutely take him over anyone else in the nation. So Cleveland. However, you think he'll go to Cleveland? However, the Browns do not know what they're doing. So they're not going to take (laughs) Saquon Barkley. That's the truth. I think the Giants are grabbing him. I'll tell you what they're going to do. They're going to be drooling over Josh Allen's physical capabilities as a quarterback. They're going to look past his atrocious resume at the University of Wyoming, and they're going to draft him first overall, and they're going to enter the regular season with a quarterback controversy between Josh Allen and Tyrod Taylor, which is then going to spiral out of control, and the Browns are going to finish something like 3-13 and as they do every single year. Well, that's a hot take. Um, probably pretty accurate, though. Didn't you say that they were like going to win their he, division? He, he did. Earlier he did, this? He did say that. I said, they, I said the potential was there, but if they draft a quarterback, trust me, that's going to be a dumpster fire. <laughs> it's going to be exactly what we're used to seeing in Cleveland. Parker, if they stuck I, I think with Tyrod Taylor, if they rode 2018 out with Tyrod Taylor, 
that's a team that I believe can contend for a division title. Parker, However, there, there's a, a list of things that I love that you say, and Dumpster Fire is up there as one of them. I appreciate that. Yeah, it's it's really good. Do you have anything else to add? I feel like I interrupted you. What was I going to say? I, I was going to, I was, I was, no, I was talking about the Browns draft strategy. Look, if I'm the general manager of the Cleveland Browns, I'm taking Saquon Barkley yep. first overall. And then, depending on what the New York Giants do with the second pick, I would maybe try to swap picks with the Jets and ensure that you get Baker Mayfield at number three. Because look, all homerism. You just said that they didn't want a quarterback. You're right. I did say that. I don't know what I'm thinking. Wow, that was dumb of me. Regardless, um, your mind's a dumpster fire right now. Yeah, no, I'm, I'm see, I'm thinking on two different levels at once. I I do believe Baker Mayfield's the best <laughs> quarterback in the draft, and he's going to be off the board within the first five picks. I I think the Cleveland Browns, if they value the future of their organization, they do need to trade up with the Jets and ensure that they get Bradley Chubb. Oh my gosh. Event from North Carolina State because oh gosh. you stick him on one end of the line and Miles Garrett on the other, that's fearsome. And I and I and I think people like especially with you're talking about Josh Allen and his atrocious resume. I mean, South Carolina isn't obviously isn't very successful, but whenever you're talking about resumes, winning matters for a quarterback a lot differently than it matters for a defensive player. A defensive player can wreak havoc in the backfield and be just fine, even if his team loses every single game. But wins and losses are directly influenced by the quarterback. Yeah. Um, mm. I would trust a resume when it comes to a quarterback. Okay. Uh, I want to talk about top quarterback picks. I feel like I'm gonna, I am gonna. have a pretty good idea of who you're going to go with, but Parker, um, who's your top pick in the What I was trying to get across earlier was that if I'm the Jets, I would take Baker Mayfield at three. Okay. If I'm the Browns and it gets to pick number three, with the wealth of draft picks that the Browns have at their disposal, I would trade up, make sure you get Bradley Chubb and establish that fearsome defensive front with Miles Garrett on one side, Bradley Chubb on the other. I do believe Baker Mayfield is the best quarterback in this draft. The stats, what he did at the University of Oklahoma, the Heisman Trophy, that speaks for itself. It speaks to what a quarterback Baker Mayfield is and how far he's come over his collegiate career. Yeah, I can't trust Sam Darnold. No. After the amount of times that he turned the ball over last year at USC, I can't trust Josh Allen with mediocre statistics at best coming out of a group of five conference in the Mountain West. And Josh Rosen and Lamar Jackson, they're shots in the dark. They could be great. They could be. They could flame out of the NFL within five years. You yeah. just don't know. <clears throat> Baker Mayfield is the surest thing among this quarterback class. Okay. I think, I think that in a quarterback class with no clear front runner – you take risks. I've always thought that. I'm, I'm a big risk taker, especially when it comes to the draft, because I think too many teams miss out on great opportunities. And I think Baker Mayfield is going to be a great NFL quarterback. I think in the draft, he is the only other person, except for my other guy who's my sleeper for this draft, I think that he's going to be the only guy with long-term success in the NFL. Um, maybe a couple of them will become Joe Flacco's. Maybe um, may, maybe a quarterback of that caliber, maybe Josh McCowan's, people like that. Yeah. But successful quarterbacks, Baker Mayfield, and my sleeper pick, Lamar Jackson. Okay. You know who Lamar Jackson reminds me of? Who? Pat White. You remember Pat White? Remind me. Jog my memory. He, he played quarterback at West Virginia back in the days when they were out in, gosh, what, do you, what conference were they even in? 
the Big East. It was back when the, the Big East. East was still a football conference. And Pat White and Steve Slayton, that was the core that West Virginia had. That was the team that wrecked Oklahoma in the mm-hmm. Fiesta Bowl in 2008, mm-hmm. if you remember. But that was a team that took college football by storm, took offensive prowess to a whole new level. Pat White was a first-round selection of the Miami Dolphins and played, I believe, maybe five games in the NFL. Athleticism was off the charts. He could throw, he could run, but he just didn't translate to an NFL system. And I think if you're a guy as athletic as Lamar Jackson, you can't put all your eggs in the basket of becoming an NFL quarterback. You need to go the Cordell Stewart route, the Denard Robinson route, be able to play different positions, do whatever is asked of you, because you're going to carve out a much more significant NFL career as a slash type of player than you are as a quarterback. And the reason that I think Lamar Jackson... I think he's the biggest risk. I think he's the best athlete in the draft, except for maybe Saquon Barkley. He's just a freak. But the main reason that I think he'll have the best career, and this is only if this happens, is the team that has expressed interest in him. Oh, gosh. Please don't say it. Please don't say it. New England Patriots. Dun, dun, dun. If Lamar Jackson goes to the New England Patriots, it's essentially if a slightly worse version of Michael Vick played for new england oh my gosh imagine what that would be like under bill belichick bill belichick if he gets a hold of lamar jackson (laughs) who's this freak athlete this versatile athlete the kind of guy and the kind of guy that would have caught that pass in the super bowl i love tom brady you subtweeting there a little bit that was that was that was a little pathetic in the super bowl but lamar jackson can do it all he can run. He can throw. The dude can throw no matter what people say. And especially if New England, I think if another team gets a hold of him, a lesser coach team gets a hold of him, nah. Maybe if the Steelers get a hold of him, they'll do all right. They're good with they're good with Ben. Or maybe just a team that's good with quarterbacks. But the best fit, and if he goes to them, it's going to be trouble, is New England. Okay. Picks for the NFC and AFC champs right now. Um, there's a lot going on right Gosh, now. That's ten months into I know. the future. AFC. AFC. I'm gonna say New England. Gosh. And I'll explain why a little bit because I'm assuming we're gonna be talking about the Super Bowl yes. as well. I'll dive into my reasons a little bit more because they're kind of the same. Coming out of the NFC, I have the Rams. Okay. I, their talent cannot be denied. They're the most talented team in the world right now, um, especially with the free agency moves that they've made this year. I don't find it likely that anyone can beat them. I don't think the Eagles are going to repeat that level of success. I find it hard to believe that Carson Wentz shows up and plays at the same level that he did before. Um, maybe a sleeper coming out of each maybe, – maybe a sleeper coming out of the AFC could be the, the Texans. Deshaun Watson, we still don't know what he's going to do, but for now I have to go with New England. And the Rams. Parker, don't act like 10 months You in advance. You haven't been thinking about this. There's always, just looking at postseason moves um, and, and preseason for that matter, there's always an idea of, of who's going to win it all. This so is like pre- let's hear your, preseason, though. You're, you're right. But let's hear your thoughts, your picks, preemptively, granted, but just let's hear them. I got to give it to the Rams in the NFC. Until I see that team on the field, I'm – I'm only going off the sheer talent on the rosters right now at this point because I haven't seen how these teams gel on a football field together. But right now, 
my pick for the Super Bowl out of the NFC, and my pick to win the Super Bowl is the Los Angeles Rams simply because they do have the most talent of any team in the entire NFL. It's anyone's game in the AFC, honestly. I think New England takes a step back. I think Pittsburgh takes a step back. I think you'll see a lot more parity in the AFC come 2018. The team that I like probably, gosh, it's tough. It's tough. It's like splitting hairs between the Patriots and the Steelers every single year. The gap between those two teams is not going to be as wide to the rest of the AFC as it has been in years past. I give the edge to the Steelers right now, but that that obviously could change once the season starts up and I see the additions that they've made, how New England and Pittsburgh gel as an organization, and you know what they look like in the first couple months of the season okay and finally to wrap up sports discussion for the season finale of next play let's hear your picks for the super bowl who's gonna win it all this year baylor hurst you have the floor rob gronkowski announced today oh boy that he's coming back for the 2018 season tom brady is pissed bill belichick is the greatest football mind on the planet. The best tight end who ever lived is coming back this season. The greatest coach who ever lived is coming back this season. (laughs) And the greatest quarterback of all time, just like he was two years ago, when the Patriots won the Super Bowl and completed the greatest comeback in Super Bowl history due to his suspension, is pissed. Crazy Tom is coming back. And man, I'm telling you right now, he's coming back with a vengeance. There's nothing, there's no force in the NFL that's more dangerous than a pissed off Tom Brady. And that's something that we've learned over the years. Listen, if anything, that loss to the Eagles made a turbo boost for the New England Patriots. Losing valuable players like Amendola and Brandon Cooks is a boost. If I'm the league, I am terrified by the Los Angeles Rams, but more importantly, the experienced, stellar, and excellent New England Patriots who are pissed off now. Because last year, they were riding on a high, but this year, they're riding on fury. And like I said, there's not a more destructive and powerful force in the NFL than the best tight end who ever lived, the greatest coach who ever lived, and a pissed off Tom Brady. Baylor, how many times did you practice that in the mirror this morning before? That was that was the first take of that. I, I'm you know I'm, I'm impressed. I think the the Patriots will uh will do one thing really well. I think they'll figure out how to more effectively deflate football so uh, Tom Brady can. Toss you know, Baylor, that further. was a uh, that was a very touching story, and uh, <laughs> I'll remind you the last time Tom Brady was this pissed off, it was coming off that. Almost 19 and 0 season, the season where Tom Brady set an NFL record by throwing 50 touchdown passes, and they came one bad blitz call away from winning that Super Bowl over the out of nowhere New York Giants led by Eli Manning. You remember what happened the first game of the next season? Tom Brady tore his ACL. So there's that. So who's going to win it, Parker? What happened the year after that? I don't freaking know. All I know is that. At, right after the 18 so you're saying season. you're saying you're saying what i understand is tom brady was pissed off and then he got hurt so he couldn't exact his revenge is what i'm hearing yeah 
I mean, well, I wasn't. Fair. I, that I, I was only half serious. What did happen that, that year, Baylor? Oh, I don't know. Oh, okay. I, 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 I would, thought I would you, I to, thought you I were asking to intentionally to, no. to throw Parker off. Yeah, I remember what happened that next year. They got bounced from the playoffs by the Colts, who ended yeah. up losing in the Super Bowl of the Saints. Yeah, That's yeah. what happened. So it was a sad year. It was a great year. I wanted Peyton Manning to win. Well, the Patriots weren't in the Super Bowl. That's all I cared about. All I'm saying is, remember. all I'm saying is, the Patriots are winning the Super Bowl. Okay. That's all I'm saying. That's a pretty big claim, but the Patriots are winning the Super Bowl. Okay, Parker. I'm going, going with the young, talented, and scrappy Please Los say Angeles Cleveland Rams. Browns. <laughs> too young. Los Angeles Rams right now. Los Angeles Rams. Ears okay. are too wet. Ears are too wet? Yeah, their ears are still wet. Okay. That's it's an interesting statement to make. Why, Parker? Well, because until, as I said, until the season begins and I see how these teams have come together in the offseason, prepared for, this, for the regular season— and I've seen them compete on a football field, I have to go with the team that has the most talent to the naked eye, and right now, that's the Los Angeles Rams. Okay. They have a good coach, too. Yes, they, they do. do. Well, guys, that's going to do it for, for this season of Next Play, just talking about sports at least. I want to give us five, ten minutes to, to just talk about the year and the changes and successes and failures that we've had really give our listeners an intimate view at – um, what's really been going on behind the scenes because you know you get to hear us every week talk about sports and, and things we love but there's a lot that goes into making this show and not all of it's easy so Baylor I, I want to hear your opinion on you know what was your favorite part of the year and what was uh, the toughest part my favorite part of the year was our spring break producer retreat yeah we had a lot of fun there. We recorded our live episode, which was probably our worst episode ever. Oh, if easily. I'm being honest, yeah. it was really bad. I thought but it I mean, was good. It, it was it, it was, was just so much convoluted, fun. Yeah. yeah, we just it was it was so ridiculous. It was brilliant. <laughs> I just we had so much fun, and we had yeah. our new mics, and we were so excited. Some more favorite memories are just the late nights whenever we didn't know what we were doing. I'm sure Parker will talk a little bit about the. Uh, the microphone situation and the cups. So I'll, I'll leave that for him. But I, I really just like the natural progression of what we had. It was cool that we didn't start out making, making an excellent podcast. Yeah. It was cool to see us grow and build. And it was cool to see how much we learned just from this podcast and really from each other yeah. on personal levels. Um, I mean, we had to really grow in conflict resolution oh, as 100%. people. Uh, we really had to, I mean, there were even, I mean, and this was sad at the time, but there were even some people at the beginning that eventually departed from the project. Yeah. We, we really figured out, we really grew as a core, as a cohesive unit, mm. as it were. And we really grew as people, I think. And I, I'm really glad that I have, that I have a couple of, a couple of best friends that Aww. I podcast with. Oh, so sweet Parker oh yeah what, what was the negative just people departing and I mean it's always sad to see people go thing? but it was necessary and it yeah. made sense um some people went but went because they wanted to go some people uh maybe it was a little bit more negative than that but just in general um it went really well I, I mean the hardest parts were whenever we had a little spats but I think those really helped grow the podcast you try to learn from every mistake I would say the one thing that was like negative that we didn't grow at all because of was just the random sounds things, just hums and yeah. and things that were frustrating. Yeah. But I mean, I grew from that. I'll, can, I'll say we, we can yeah. get past that, but 
I think even the bad things that happened were still things that we can use to our advantage. Yep. Parker, same question Kurt to you. probably will hate me for saying this, but I kind of like random sounds on our podcast because it just makes it feel more natural and more down to earth. Yes, I, I don't understand that. That was your all, favorite part about the podcast, fine. random sounds. No, that wasn't my favorite part. Okay, just, so you, just so you withdraw there. that statement then? I do not withdraw that statement. It's withdrawn. That, okay. Continue. Fine. Let the record show the statement has been withdrawn. Thank you. Expunge it. Parker, speak. My favorite part about this podcast were the episodes in which I did not feel marginalized. Okay, so are you going to take this seriously or are you just going to... Fine, I'll take it seriously, I suppose. What I enjoyed most about this podcast was, you know, as you mentioned, Bailey, just kind of seeing the natural progression and the evolution of not only the podcast as a whole, but of each one of us as individuals, how we grew as communicators, as producers, as friends. It's wonderful to look back and think how at the beginning of this project, we were recording in the basement of Muldrow Tower with three condenser mics clipped to a paper cup. Dude, those weren't even condenser mics. I don't even know what those were. They were like lav mics. Yeah, like $15 lavalier mics. Yeah. Anyway, they were, we had them running into Baylor's iPad. and With, we headphone, record, with yes. headphone adapters, with two-way headphone splitting adapters. And we recorded through GarageBand. <laughs> now, thankfully enough... On the enough, iPad. GarageBand on the iPad, yes. not even on the laptop. Now, thankfully enough, we're sitting in an amazing and technologically advanced room here in Gaylord Hall with internet access, I might add, <sighs> which Muldrow Tower thing. did not offer. We're sitting here with a very sharp-looking Yamaha mixing board in front of Kurt. Kurt's overly expensive MacBook Pro sitting right next to it. And we have some Shure SM58 microphones running through XLR cables to our mixing board. And we have these nice pop filters, which reduce the the pop that we get on our peas. Specifically you, though. I don't think that was near as much of an issue with Carter. I think it was no. just mainly a you thing. I just think it looks cool. It makes good pictures. Negatives? Yes, the negatives, uh, as Baylor mentioned, we we had some fallings out with certain individuals, some people who decided that the podcast wasn't for them, that moved on. Which is great. And, you know, it's fun. Yeah. It's, it's going to happen. Uh, it was natural. It was just another step in the evolution of this project. But to see how that kind of all brought us closer together was a great thing i thought and you know we all three have very different personalities and we clash from time to time but even that has just it's made the podcast all the more interesting all the more cohesive yeah that's our word of the year i like it cohesive it's a great word well i'll start with uh with one of my favorite memories was uh the first day i walked into Muldrow tower um to work on this podcast with y'all it was after much discussion and uh, i'm pretty sure it was after baylor believed that i wasn't probably going to to be a good fit for the podcast because i hadn't shown up for the first episode or two because i had a bunch of other stuff going on but um showed up saw the technology it's not fake fraternity bucks is real Uh, i love it and um saw all y'all's technology and was like oh i'm just gonna go get my stuff and we can use that to record and it'll sound better and it did 
You um, want to know what happened right after that? Sure. Right after you walked in with your brand new sound stuff? Yeah. Baylor and I ran back to my dorm to get an adapter for the mixing board. Yep. We got through that door and out of Muldrow Tower's basement, and Baylor goes, what the hell? Kurt just made our podcast 10 times better. <laughs> Is that true? Mm-hmm. That's awesome. Yeah, I didn't know that. Um, yeah, so it, that was a blast to walk in and be able to kind of take control and then move into um, a, a hosting role um, to, to really make this product, um, gradually get better. And obviously we've increased our, our sound quality and all that. And more than anything, our personalities have changed. I've definitely changed a lot as a host being in front of a mic instead of behind it. Um, and that's been a blast as far as negatives, you know, I think both of you touched on it, just our conflicting personalities. I can, uh, think of, yeah. Who can say if I've changed for the better? But because I knew, I knew you, you, I've I been changed, changed for, for good. good, man. I, I really appreciate that, and I just theater nerded out. Um, <laughs> wow, that was good. Uh, shout out, Wicked, favorite musical of all time. Uh, little, to, little, little fact about me, I appreciate that. But um, yeah, so conflicting personalities. There have been multiple instances where Baylor and I have yelled at each other and marginalized me and, whatever um and if this doesn't speak to just the dynamic of the three of our friendship baylor and i yell at each other are incredibly heated because we are the most opposite people you would ever meet um and then parker just sitting in the middle of it mediating it and making us realize that we're both idiots and we're we're truly best friends the the three of us so um that's been a really fun dynamic to work through and um just get to know y'all better, produce a better product every episode, and really just uh, just do some work I'm proud of. So um, it's been one heck of a season. By the it, way, for those of you that can't sense the sarcasm in my voice, I never actually feel marginalized. In fact, it's impossible for human beings to make me feel uncomfortable. Well, emotionally, emotionally we can definitely. It's make very you easy to make you feel physically uncomfortable. Yeah. yeah, I mean, all you have to do is like slap me in the face or something. And on that note. Wait, did you say you wanted me to slap you in the face? Do it, you won't. I'm going to provide some play-by-play while uh, Baylor and Parker grapple. Baylor is making uh, bird noises. Parker is acting like he is a ninja or a bird. Um, Nothing exciting is happening. Uh, They are about to get hurt and put another hole in the wall. And with that, I'm going to end this episode of Next Play. Baylor has slapped Parker. Guys, it's been one heck of a ride. Thank you for listening this entire season. 50 episodes in. Couldn't do it without loyal support of our listeners. Baylor, you have something you want to say? He's taking the mic off. I think he's going to drop the mic. I think he's going to sing. This ain't no intro. This the Andre. Hit that intro with Kanye. I sound like Andre. Trying to turn my baby mom to my fiance. She like music. She from That's going to do it for this episode of Next Play. Thanks for sticking with us all season, even through this craziness of a final episode. Make sure to follow us on social media at Next Play Pod. Um, Thank you to John Pfeiffer, as always, for our intro and outro music. Make sure to listen in in the fall for our next season of next play thanks for listening we will see you in a few short months